computer audio. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. What's what's been happening since lockdown? How you how you been keeping? Oh my god. Um. <laughs> um. July's actually pretty okay. There's a lot of projects and like R and D shows going on for jobbing actors like myself now. So. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, though, you sort of were sitting on your floor going, God, what do I actually do with my life? <laughs> and did, is that how it happened? Then you did some meditation on the floor and you're like, yo, I know what I need to do now. <laughs> oh, I wish it was like, I wish it was like that. <laughs> like, oh, and suddenly she just knew, God, no. <laughs> it, no, it didn't happen. I think it was just slowly going, okay, uh, what can I, what are people actually doing and how can we make this online? Like, how can we make theatre and things online, essentially? And then, yeah. on board from there. No, that's, it's, it's interesting. There's so many things going on at the moment, like online, people are thinking new ways to entertain themselves, like TikTok and all that. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look at this show. What do you think, Ellen? What do you think? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm not doing it. No, I'm just saying, what do you think? No, no, no. I mean, I'm just looking like it's interesting. Uh, it's some tight. Yeah, I think it is. I, I don't know where it's gone. It looks like it has a few stories, but a relative gave it to me a while ago. <laughs> and you're like, can you figure it out for me? <laughs> I'm going to text them and say, what, what happened? It looks like it's been for a few wars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh great! It's, it's it's been a while since we last spoke. I think the last time we spoke was in um, the London Small YouTubers thing a while ago. Yeah, I was thinking about like when have I actually like when did we like speak? And I think it was oh gosh, one or two years ago. I think so, something like that. I mean, I did. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time, and like. It's funny with the London Small YouTubers thing, it's always been so peaceful, positive, and like, like Ellen, it's been going for a while, and like, yeah, what's, what's been happening since I last? Yeah, oh gosh. Um, so, I, I guess I was really, like, in it, and I still have all of my, like, friends from, like, that London area, and then you go through third year, and you can't, it's that thing of you can't, like, fit in and things things were happening but it was like once every month and then I had to move out of London <laughs> because being a student you can't essentially afford the rent where I was living uh. so I had to I had to move back to the east of England um but um I think there's a lot of um because a lot of online things going on and a lot of like live streams and things at the moment in place of you know when people would meet up yeah it's, it's a bit like a chat room isn't it it's like what's going on now like you go on msn and start chatting and msn you still using msn no not at all a long time ago <laughs> i was like you still using that we're all zooming we're all skyping someone's still in 2003 <laughs> like, i'm sorry man <laughs> oh, it, it's 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 a pleasure to have you on the Marvin's World podcast. <laughs> hey, I really like being on here, so thank you, thank you for letting me be 
be part of it. So to anyone that's listening back home, um, this is Ellen. We, we met, well, we met in the small YouTubers thing and she, she's, she's done a lot of interesting videos. She, she likes to, she talks about her own sort of battle with like mental health and anorexia and she adds a bit of sort of a spin on it. And she does a little, little sort of like a tea, like a podcast slash interview with other YouTubers. Yeah, I do. It's called Tea Talk and it is with a lot. It's me and another YouTuber talking about um, topics surrounding their mental health and what it means to them. Yeah, that's it's. I've seen a few of them. You had um, Sav, Savan, Savan. Yeah, I had Sav on there. Um, I've had my friend Aaron on there. Um, Andy Hartley's been on it, who's part of the admin for the um, London Small YouTubers. So I've had I've had a few fair people on it. And she's also done a very. Um, she did a video with uh, Eleanor. The the what well, I I should call her. Should I call her Miss Ellis Y? Yes, yes, yes. Elena. Should they did some about uh, properties and apartments in London, and it was a bit like um, DFS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's about my. Um, I did an episode of with Elena about my student digs, my student flat and room um, situated in Zone Two of London, and yep. Yeah. And when I rewatched the video, I realised just how much of a box it was like a little box box room and everything but yes i was i was a part of that it was it was so guys i'll put a link to some of her videos and you'll see some of her work and yeah it's i like to interview lots of different people and like i myself you know like sometimes I, being like the sexiest man to have ever existed is quite hard <laughs> <laughs> sorry what's this <laughs> Who are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he can't come back from that now yeah I, I, I can't, well yeah it's true i mean it's hard you know you get so many sort of workouts in the gym so many coffees so many sort of elocution <laughs> lessons it's I mean, yeah, you keep you keep talking, you keep talking, but really, <laughs> now I'm just joshing. <laughs> it's so what I like to do in the podcast. It's like it's what we what we're gonna do. I mean, it's been a bit chaotic so far, but let's have some <laughs> no. Um, what this podcast is about is yep, yeah, it's about finding out about you, find out what you're about, what you what you do, and yeah. Look to sort of debunk things. Like I feel there's 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 people assume lots of things that they see oh you're you have to take you take you need to take tons of tablets and like you need to you need like you're on state like they think there's something wrong with you. It, everyone's everyone's got struggles, but I mean I yeah, so I mean a very I mean in terms of like the tablet thing a lot of people you know if you need medication like that's absolutely fine like if you have your depression medication or your medication for you know bpd for example or anxiety then yes that's totally valid and you know and have that 
but I'm someone who has, <laughs> I, I am anxiety, but also lovely. It's called high functioning anxiety. So essentially like you have anxiety, but you can walk and talk like a quote unquote, whatever normal is. So no one would really know. It's just, it sort of manifests into everything's got to be perfect and stuff. Um, but I don't necessarily take tablets for that. And I don't have anxiety medication and talking to a, a different friend about anxiety medication, doctors particularly don't want to give it to you, but they don't want to really hand over anxiety medication very easily unless you really, really need it and you desperately need it because anxiety is a fight or flight thing. It's a fight or flight. You need it in like when we were animals and not humans, we needed it to either, you know, fight off a bear or run away from a bear but we don't need to run away from bears anymore. Uh, but it's still very useful if you know you're in a very dangerous or tricky situation. Um, to take anti or to take anxiety medication, they mess around with that and they don't particularly want to do that. Um, only in extreme cases or cases where people genuinely cannot function or go outside. They cannot go outside for what, you know, whatever reason you know other people being around other people and stuff um and uh, i think i don't know but we're doing this in the middle of, not in the middle we're sort of coming out of lockdown but i definitely found that a lot of my friends in lockdown were feeling a lot more anxious or they were finding out that because there wasn't a lot going on or they were furloughed or they had things going on in their head um that there were voices that they really didn't notice before just started talking to them and started saying things or going around a supermarket in a one-way system or trying to keep two meters to everyone and it wasn't normal and that made people more anxious um and i don't know if it would have i would have liked to have thought that people go oh so this is what it's like to sometimes perhaps feel anxious around other people or things that aren't seen as like normal or you know being near other people. I wouldn't be surprised when we're allowed to not be several meters away from other people that we will feel some slight anxiety being around other people because we've, we've told not to. Hmm. That was a very long winded story <laughs> about things. What's, uh, what's, cause I mean, I, I looked at Tyson Fury and I looked at, um, it is, do you, do you know the story of Tyson Fury? Not off the top of my head. Well, he's he's a world famous boxer. He achieved everything, but then once he achieved everything, he um, well, he got into depression, and the only way he, and he got into that for a while. But I think one of the things that motivated him was like he was about to commit suicide, but then I don't want to go into religious aspect, but he said there was a voice and said not to do it. And he didn't do it and he got the motivation again and then like Deontay Wilder said something that motivated him and then well now he's a heavyweight champion in the world again and he says one of the ways that he deals with mental health is he keeps himself busy with goals every day yeah that is a very true thing um I have a to-do list and everyone in the family like sort of laughs at it but I've been doing it since second year because second year was when I was officially diagnosed with the high functioning anxiety that I had because uh, second year of uni, anyone will tell you is absolutely horrible. It's a hell hole. They throw everything at you and go, can you juggle while also writing please uh, for your degree? And uh, it was horrible. Uh, and I, but I 
did get my diagnosis and stuff but it meant that in order to sort of not make myself panicked i'd make a to-do list of everything that had to be done and tick it off and i've been doing that incessantly because if i don't and if i don't have a plan i sort of just sit there and just get a bit panicky and go what is going on with my life i actually feel like i've achieved nothing because that's one of the worst things about anxiety is that it will make you feel like even though you've probably done a lot in the space of like i don't know like a week maybe two weeks um it will make you forget all of that and it will make you think that you've done nothing and then you'll see other people and you'll compare yourself and maybe normal people will also do that well quote unquote normal people will do that but in anxiety it just makes you a little bit more panicky when it happens you go i've done absolutely nothing during this lockdown and people have been baking banana bread and uh going on so many zoom quizzes and all of that and it's like well no you've done things you've just done different things one one thing i find quite curious i mean though though acting and comedy are two different fields and music is also a different field i do feel that the creative sort of industry probably has more people have met mental health issues more so than most than a lot of others yeah i think maybe i think so um i think it's maybe it's a way of sort of like expressing yourself without necessarily having to perhaps talk about it um i know that a lot of you know there are my friends are artists and they'll create art uh and they're very skilled at it but you know it's sort of an escape for them from their mental health a lot of people do the acting because it's not being in your head, it's being in a different character's head and their motivations and their ways of doing things. And for me, it's sort of, well, first of all, love this industry. And uh, second of all, it's sort of a way for you to process things and all of that, because there's no obviously one set way of acting. It's a way to like process emotions and process things and, and do something that you enjoy. I don't, know or necessarily know why a lot of us who may suffer with mental health sort of flock here but maybe it is a case of it's a way of dealing with emotions and dealing with those things in our heads in a more creative proactive space you know yeah it's yeah it's I've always been curious about it because like with comedians, a lot of them I come across, you know, there's also, they always, a lot of them always do sets, oh, I suffer with mental health or I do this and that. And then like sometimes when I come across a lot of acting friends, I know it's like, see you later, man. That's the most, that's the most, um, that's the most. And then when I... <laughs> you can't come back from that now. Like, <laughs> you're on a roll. <laughs> When I when I come across other sort of performing arts industries as well, they're, they're a lot more sensitive than perhaps other people I know. Yeah, I think it's tapping into your, in terms of acting, for me, it's tapping into all those emotions. For, well, for me as an actor, I'm a very emotional, very like sensitive actor. Also being very empathetic doesn't also help in real life, in day-to-day -day life. But it's, for me, in terms of like tapping into things, it's what, you know, this character has this. What's happened in my life that I can put into this one, you know, to help me get into things and get into that. Um, but also in comedy, 
it may also be because if we're going to jump onto i as a disclaimer haven't since acting took over i've not been able to like pick up the camera so much and talk about mental health and experiences but for me it was a way of making the mental health conversation more accessible by talking about like talking about things that happened like hey anxiety eating disorders you know we'll talk about that but we'll make it accessible so okay. that you like understand things and and you can like learn something from it and it makes it more interesting for you and also break down the awkward because no one wants to talk about it no one wants to you know i assess i certainly live in a twitter bubble where everyone i follow talks about it but when i come out here in the real world people still sort of don't necessarily talk about it and even i am a culprit at work that when i like talk about it like when when people go how are you i'll go i'm fine I'm not okay. Um, so that's probably another way of sort of breaking down the awkward and breaking down the stigma is that if you put it into a comedy skit or into a comedy sketch, it might be more accessible and people might learn something from it without knowing. Yeah, it's yeah more accessible. If you, yeah, if you'd make it too serious, then no one's going to be. Yeah, it's it's. Like Lily Singh does a lot of that, doesn't she? And Nicole Arbor does a lot of, she raises issues, but she tries doing it in a funny way. Yeah, I would say Lily Singh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nicole Arbor is um, obviously been known more for the um, more um, controversial videos that she made several years ago. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I, um, but I can see, yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, but definitely Lily Singh. Um, there are obviously the more serious ones, the more serious topics that you can't really make into comedy, but you have to... Like... Yes. Well, as a comedian, it sometimes it makes it's comedy. One of the things is, I think one of the things that makes a lot... I mean, do you know Mark Maron? Yeah. Yeah, he's... Do you watch his podcast? It's, it's quite interesting. Has he got a podcast? Yeah, it's called What the Fuck. <laughs> And he interviews lots right. of celebrities and comedians. And he um, he says one of the things that attracts people to comedy is a lot of them are like borderline criminals and mis social misfits. And it's sort of like damaged and like, and I think that's sort of true in a way. Because um, one of the things with comedy is, I think a lot of the best ones that, that they tackle things that you wouldn't dare tackle and they make it funny. And it's like, someone's too nice sometimes it's much harder for them to be funny if you're too woke and too sort of trying to please people you're not as interesting as someone that's more themselves maybe in a way i know that there's a lot more what would they call quote unquote like woke comedians and i think i i have a lot of them um and follow them um i mean we could safely say that maybe i mean like hannah gadsby for instance like has like nanette and then that suddenly just blew up on Netflix and then like got her USA success um, when she was known mainly in the UK, Adelaide, like Australia type um, circuit. And then Douglas came up, but I would, I would sort of class that as like her being like genuinely authentic and also slash like woke and serious type comedy. And that sort of worked and, and went with a lot of people um, Sophie Hagen, for instance, a very clever 
comedian but again yes someone who has been through a lot um but also is um i, I think would class as a woke comedian but has a very good undercover following but i think the woke comedians that i know sort of necessarily don't really want that blow up like they want obviously they love what they do but they don't necessarily want the blow up because they don't they want the people that like care about what they say and what they do rather than just any old like punter on the street who wants like perhaps the old-fashioned comedy or the the blue comedy that they're perhaps you know wanting it's different tastes and different strokes but i'm getting into a field <laughs> where i have like no um background in it's uh, that's the thing with with comedy and a lot of other art industries it's not always the very best that make it but yeah. it, it's that's the thing if you come uh, yeah next when things are better i'll take you to come to a few comedy clubs and let me see your thoughts because it, it, it's you can be funny being sort of nice and all that, but there's comedians that sometimes they just be dark for the sake of it. But the ones that just do it themselves and you tackle dark topics are much funnier than the ones that play it too safe because you don't gain anything. And some of the ones, I don't know, I've not seen, I've not seen either of them, so I can't say. Uh, some of the ones I come across, they're, they're too safe and they're quite boring. Uh. Nanette broke in terms of like it talked a lot about like men weirdly mental health um and uh really broke like comedy in terms of what you could do with it um if you do have netflix do like check that one out and then go on to her other um other one but sophie's been doing it for years um and uh, also has a podcast um two podcasts as well um, very funny, very, very good. Would recommend them both. So, yes. Both also tackle, yeah, mental health and um, very much not afraid to say and have those really hard discussions with people as well. Okay, I'll, what, what are the names? I'll have a look. Um, so, Sophie Hagen. So, Sophie with an F. No, I know her. I know her name. What's oh, you know her? Oh, it's called Made of a Made of Human is the uh, more like serious deep in chat. And then the um, other one is Secret Dinosaur Cult, which is done with Jodie Mitchell. Yeah. Which is all very good. I'm just spouting now comedy names that you may already have known. <laughs> what's what's the do you do you find sometimes people so I don't know, if you're on uni and you say like you, you you don't mention it so it's first time with the in anxiety straight away to someone but you you know once you get to know someone you you, you mention it briefly because oh you but, have no idea what i was like oh god <laughs> when i was 18 oh. i was very open i was very open but um now that i've had like a lot of time to think about it it was because i would use i wouldn't i didn't necessarily know i had anxiety so let's just like I didn't have that obviously until the second year and I didn't actually really tell anyone about that one but in terms of like the eating disorder side of my life I used to, I told people that were in my class um and the and I'll tell you the way I told them as well but it was because it was a defense mechanism to be like don't 
attack my body because I am because I have this eating disorder so leave me alone because before that I had been attacked about my body before I was diagnosed back in the good old year of 2014 which seems like such a long time ago now um and so they had six years but <laughs> the funny thing of how I told them was that we had to tell a story in like in like three minutes or less and the way they did it was that the teacher got a match box and we had to strike a match and we had to tell the story before the match ran out and so I decided to tell them in the most like actory dramatic way or Eleanor way how by striking the match and basically just talking about my diagnosis and these people had no like warning no pre-warning no nothing and I remember just finishing my story blowing it out and everyone's face is like oh my god I don't know how to process this information then my brain went yeah I've done it boom suck on that mic drop I've told you <laughs> that part of my life and all these people like had no idea I mean, they did say that they do the thing that everyone in mental health knows is the, well done, I'm proud of you. You're so brave. You're so, like that tagline, that strap line is you're so brave. Everyone says it. Because I think it's a way of being like, I think they genuinely mean it. They want to say something. But also it's like, uh, this is my way of computing how I can tell you. You're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> you're so brave. Um, but yeah, I was 18 at the time when I did that. I don't do that anymore because uh, it's been such a long time, but it was so fresh in my head when I went to uni because it was like two years. Um, but I did, I was like, I just, yeah, struck a match, told them, blew it out, felt like a complete mic drop moment and I fell on top of the world. Yes, I, I think that's, it does, it does sometimes, it feels like a big weight of your shoulders sometimes, doesn't it, when you let, let certain things <laughs> to go? Yeah, to your class of complete strangers that you've only met in September and you told them a month in. I think, I mean, I've, I've got guts. 18-year-old and I had guts, but then I think it's because I was so used to doing YouTube before I came to university and I was so open on camera and I was so open about what you're going to go through in recovery, all the disgusting bits, all the really annoying bits, the scary bits, the funny bits, the bits that are going to make you want to, like, just hit your head against things those types of um things and i'm so used to talking about that on the internet that when it actually like came down to talking to people i was like yeah every tom dick and harry is going to know that this happened because we've got to break it down 22 year old yeah. looking over is going maybe not everyone <laughs> well there's there's a disability that i think there's a lot, lot of people suffer from and that's called being a moron and great oh is this am i being called <laughs> no I, I, because not because I'm going to go into a bit more detail with you yeah. and because I, I know that there's a lot of silly stupid moments you get but one of the recent moments and things that I often come across even from sort of adults is and I would love to talk to Sav about it at some point because him being autistic is that autism is treated very lightly and there's people that are not understanding condition properly mm. like some people that I was talking to and they were are well, some of the people that called me autistic, they, I mean, they're not people I respect or like, like and then they're, they're not nice people. I'm not, they're not, the, they're not my kind of people no. and they're not nice people. And the thing that I don't like about it is that um, that insult treated so lightly because it's an insult to me and to people that are autistic. 
because I went to um, a Christian thing. I'm, I'm sort of a secret Christian in a way. And so Abby's friend at a party or whatever, and they invited me to church in Wimbledon. And the guy's brother had autism. And like, he was sort of really a bad version of autism. And like, there's mouth of when, like the way he acted and behaved and all that. Like, it was harmless and nice, but like, he really was suffering from it all. And when I saw someone that really had it like him, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. Do you know how bad an insult that is to just throw it lightly like that? When someone's like... People really don't think um, at all. I have it with people who think, you know, with anxiety where they're like, oh, I feel a bit anxious. Maybe I have anxiety. And it's like, if you feel anxious only once, that's not really like a diagnosis of anxiety. Anxiety is someone who's like going to overthink things, going to overanalyze something in their head, thinking it's going to be their fault. It is more likely that we'll think it's our fault in an argument or in a situation, or we may have, maybe not all of us might have an anxiety attack or a panic attack. If you ever suffered with a panic attack, good sir or madam, no, you just felt a little bit anxious because of something and then you felt okay. That's, that's not, a diagnosis of anxiety but we say it so flippantly or like if we feel sad it's not oh i feel sad it's oh i feel a little depressed and it's like but you don't have a clinical depression or you know it's not like you're if you're sad depression isn't just about sadness like we've been, i've been in rooms with like other people where depression is there and you can feel it as someone who doesn't suffer with depression like you can feel it it's so heavy it's a heavy feeling in the room and it seeps everywhere and you can feel it in yourself at times with the other person and they just like it, it's like lethargic and you know they think that the whole world is gone and all hope is lost and there's lots of other things that go with it it's not just because they feel sad it's one thing that i find quite funny as well because i i um yeah the person that try calling me autistic was he used to try using it venomously but it was just yeah i don't know it was the thing the thing that i found really sort of really strange and really sort of what's the, what's the bit i'm getting at again the yes there's someone that i know i was in a clown school in etomps or whatever with philip golier he's trained to be like such a baron cohen and helen Bodham carter um that guy isn't he like vicious he is he's a nice man Ah, because I, I know the one that was vicious. You just had to walk on stage and he'd tell you to get off and walk back on. And you... Similar to that, he's, he, he, um, yeah, he tells you off. If it's crap, he says it's crap, but he doesn't mean it in a mean way. And like that sort of insult is fine. Like even though he says some brutal thing, there's no venom in it at no. all. But the thing that I found quite... Um, yeah, one thing that really got me, one thing that I found quite interesting a while ago is before I left for Etomps, there was this woman that was crying. She suffers from mental health and she's she's not quite well balanced. And she was sort of crying and like one of the my housemates was taking care of her, this and that. She's going, oh, this girl did this and that to me. I started chatting to them and all that. And then she said, like, oh, people are so upset with me because I take drugs and do this and that and like all the money I make. And then, then, then when I tried being nice to them, she said, oh, you're such a you're such a retard or something like that. And it's a bit like, you've got the mental health issues and this and that. Like, 
the thing I don't like, sometimes people that I've found with mental health issues, they try to, they don't deal with it and they try and get someone else to deal with it. That's it depends, like. I think. I know for a fact that when I suffered with, like, like if I'm very anxious or if I, my anxiety is really bad, I become a horrible person. I get really, like, um, fidgety uh, and I have no patience with anyone and I snap at anyone and everything because it's there. And I know I have to deal with it, but the things that people are saying, you go, that's not helpful because right now I need to really focus on what's made me anxious, what's this, what's that. Um, my eating disorder made me a very horrible, vindictive person. You could say from the outset, if you didn't know, you could say I was selfish, which is a stereotype of what most eating disorder people have, um, or people with eating disorders have been told that, oh, you're just selfish. Because from the outside, it looks it. But if you're caring for that person, looking after that person, having to be there for that person every day, it's exhausting. And also it's exhausting for the person who has it because your brain's jumping from one idea to the other, saying, this is good, this is good. Um, I think it depends, I think. Of course, I've met people with traumas where they've gone, this has happened to me, therefore I'm allowed to treat people however I want, yes, because uh, I've had this. Yeah, that's what and I then, know. Yeah, and then there are the other ones who may you may go oh wow you're not dealing with this very well and actually what you said was really hurtful sometimes they may not want to say that or they might not like we may not mean it like in that way it's just that when mental health lives in your head rent free it makes you a bit of a horrible person on the outside because that's, it's there and that's the thing i find in comedy as well yes that's that's the problem i find in yes so yeah but i still f i mean well that's the thing it's good that i'm chatting to you because i i mean i do have my own battles myself but I, i've not had anything diagnosed anything severe but i yeah i don't like the thing that i don't like in any circumstances if people take out whatever their shit they have on other people and they don't try and address them that's I the had, thing yeah. I had a guy um, at university, I won't go too much into it, too much into depth, but um, he was the first person that I met that did exactly that to me and to other people. Uh, the best way to describe them was they were 20, you know, in their 20s going on into their 40s, um, which is like great, but they definitely used what had happened to them as a way to go i can treat people however the fuck they want and they should be fucking grateful i'm even giving them attention and it's like it's it's bad it, it, it's and that's when you go hang on a minute you're using your mental health to that advantage which is actually quite damaging to the other people around you because you have no idea what those people are doing and you have no idea what they're thinking but also you're inflicting more damage onto them already and that's very very poor mm. of you um so those people do exist everyone <laughs> um and maybe you've met them um oh, a lot of them yeah and it's it's like no no you cannot go around thinking that you own the world like that because it does really mess with people and it can like and if you've not met someone before it can knock you for six and um, when i mean six i mean it can probably knock you for six months which is essentially what happened <laughs> to me because I was like, "Oh, this is new." But yeah, but you've covered. 
Even stronger. Well, well mm, I hope. Gosh, I will consistently probably meet people and these people are probably what we would call in terms of like mental health because it is on the like diagnostic criteria we'd probably call them narcissists people who have narcissistic personality disorder most probably i uh, think that we all to a degree have that i think we have a slight amount but it depends how we use it in terms of like you can use it to be like yes i'm good at my job and I'm good at what I do, and I know I'm good. Yes, that's that's what's. Um, do you know Eddie Hall? Yes. Yeah, he he. Oh, he 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 does that. He says that he admits to being a narcissist, but he does it in the right sort of way. Yeah. You have to, I think, because otherwise it can just you can it can take over. And the sad thing is, is that there is no cure for what they call NPD. So, you've got people are just born with this type of diagnostic or not and it just depends where you are on the scale um but they do tend to and it, it usually happens around about in our creative industry because it gives people the type of attention they crave mm. and it gives them the adoration you know people are watching them performing doing things doing what they're doing and it gives them the thing that they so desperately want. And not all people with NPD are like villains and people who will tie you to train tracks with twirly moustaches. That's not what we're, that's not at all. There are some people with NPD who just don't know they have it and just walk around with yeah. it. Um, they're not, not everyone's a villain. Some people just have it and they have no idea or they get really apologetic about it. Um, but we'll tend to find them a lot more in like creative outlets because it's a way for them to sort of feel like they didn't get enough of the perhaps the love or the attention that they craved outside in their public world when they go in mm. and perform it gives them what they want and it's what they've always wanted love michael jackson's an example of that but let's not go into detail of him but yeah that, that's very complicated um <laughs> and i'm not as i'm not as therapist or as counselor but one thing so this is you've given me a you've pointed me in the direction of a few things that i wasn't aware of before um one thing so one thing that i've had a few times because i i have sort of this demeanor of I, I, I always try and be nice and polite to people and sometimes that gets mis misconstrued into other things. Like sometimes when someone, when someone, I, I, I want to be nice, but sometimes when someone unloads their problems onto me, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Ah. A few times, and it's a bit, it's a bit like, please, you know, you're putting a lot of weight on me here. Like it's, it's a bit like, and also people do it straight away. They don't sort of open up little by little. If someone just sort of. I'm a bit like, what, what do I do? So I'd be polite and I say this and that, but it's a bit like, I feel from my side is, um, sometimes I struggle with a lot of things and I don't like to open up. I, I feel with a lot of things, you'll find a way to sort out yourself. And I think sometimes you open up when you have a problem, when you need to, but not all the time, not too much. Like when it gets really bad, do it, but don't do it when it's not, some people just need something i think because we have this 
societal thing where we do we're told to not talk about it because no one wants to know and also if that's not coming out externally internally your brain's like no one wants to hear we've probably had those thoughts where we've gone yeah oh this seems a bit rubbish to tell someone or this seems a bit shit you know no one wants to hear this essentially um i always say i always think it's like a pressure cooker where you've got all these things bottling up but you don't really want to say anything and then suddenly someone perhaps finds someone who's like seems nice kind genuine a lot of empathetic people tend to kind of get this i have i have yes this. yes, yes. Where, um, thing. and it's a bit like yeah it feels a bit of a load like i'm, I'm sometimes i'm struggling to cope with yeah is, is there another way they could do it because it, it's sometimes it's it's a bit you don't know what to say because you're a bit like could you please not unload i feel a bit uncomfortable it's very hard to put like barriers up for yourself as some as um if you do sort of say that you are an empathetic person or you know you are i know i'm highly empathetic so everything every emotion or everyone's emotions get plastered into mine so i feel mine alongside other people's so i'm like oh i've now got two lovely emotions just hanging out in my brain and in my body and it feels a bit weird and sometimes it doesn't feel right but it's very hard to because you want to be there for other people and you go i want to help them because that's your first instinct but it's also hard to sort of put up your you know your barriers and it's yeah. it's not a shameful thing to put up barriers and say listen right now i can't talk about this or i can't talk about that it's what how the other person reacts to it is it's it's a reflection on them yes on yes, what yes. They want the, the thing also yes as well some of the people that are doing it i'm not that close to them yet i don't feel like i'm like a bother with them yet or or so that's that's a bit yeah that's why i feel a bit i don't really know you that well yet to do it yet so like bit by bit i don't but not straight away you scare me a bit when some people do they do just open up with it um i've had people from all walks of life work um places where i've performed and where they do just want to openly chat about it um and just suddenly just sort of let it go in a sense and you've barely known them but it may even be like a week with people i've performed at it's usually about a week with people at work it's usually first shift right hi this is everything my long list of things i've been with and it's like wow like thank you so much like you know i'm glad that you found that you wanted to talk to me about it but again sometimes i'm in the same situation as you where i'll just go oh oh okay oh i'm so sorry rather than go hang on a minute i'm actually feeling a lot of things and emotions yeah. and i'm feeling a bit sad right now um and i can't deal with that right now but thank you for taking the time to like chat to me but right now i need yeah, to process yeah. my stuff before i can process your stuff as well yeah that sounds like a very diplomatic speech yeah that's what you should say <laughs> and yes that, that's you know that's people say that honesty is always the best policy and people say that this and that but you know one thing good thing about lockdown is i have been doing a bit of reading been trying to study different things and there's a lot i need to work on there's a lot i need to change there's a lot of i need to get a job i don't feel that i want to sort of get <laughs> it'll help a lot of things go forward that way 
And one of the things I found, one thing I'm trying to do when I'm reading books is I write notes down to try and make use of it. So oh. I, um, I'm sure there's a point that I put down. Yes, so there's, there's, there's a certain character, characters that you have to be careful what you say around. So they seem like, you said the narcissists, so the arrogant and proud people. And there's like hopeless, insecure people. And then there's um, the suspicious type. And then there's the serpent with long memory. And then there's the plain sort of often intelligent man, non-assuming man. And to explain those things, um, well, a suspicious man is always think that everyone's out to get him. And let me think clearly, I need to get the point straight across. Yeah, if with certain types of characters, this book I'm reading that it, so with an arrogant person and they're very proud, if you say something that's honest and nice, even if you do it in a nice way and they're wrong, they may completely lose it and be against you. And that's, that's what happened to me a few times, even if I've been nice. Some people that are very sensitive, they go, ooh, yeah, no, I'm against you. And then there's the hopeless, insecure person who doesn't believe in themselves, is very down, and then they sort of drug you down to their level. And if you say something, they will just hate you forever, and they say things quietly behind your back and then destroy your reputation. And then there's the suspicious type who thinks everyone's out to get them. And then, you know, if you say one thing, they think, oh, you're trying to do me over. And then the other person is the the serpent of long memory they so they if you've upset them they will pretend that you've not upset them but they'll act out in other ways so they'll be you say like if you see that they're upset with something you say are you okay they go ah, and then they'll get back at you later on and then there's the um the plain unassuming often intelligent person who's just yeah, he he will he will just say it as it is. So if you if you say if you say something that's honest and nice, he will probably just say it as it is. And sometimes you won't be able to do what with what they say. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of different characters, and the human, particularly there are even some people who, when you you said about someone who's out to get them, I've met people who are. Um, I don't, there's probably a better word for it. And it's it's probably like symptoms of their own like mental health and illnesses because paranoia is one of those symptoms um, of anything to do with BPD or borderline or um, those types of things. But there are people who are paranoid about what people say behind them. So you could, again, it's one of those things where you could say anything or whatever but they'll try and read too much into what you're saying and then when you leave that conversation they'll get paranoid about you know what are other people saying about me or you know or what have you been saying type of thing but with those sort of things i've underlined if you're very busy and focused on something that you're passionate about and you enjoy it'll help deal with things like that so you don't get into those mindsets it was yeah i found a lot like i was busy up until like if we're talking about like mental health and like creative work, like I was on a roll, like in January to like March, I was kind of on a roll on things. And you thought, and everyone who probably graduated last year, that I mean, I also have to remind myself in terms of mental health and anxiety, like I've only been in this industry 
I mean, at the end of this month, a year. Like I only graduated last July. So still a little baby coming out. So to all of those 2020 graduates, I really feel for them because I would be even more anxious. So you all, we all go in going, 2020 is our year. And we were all on a roll. And then suddenly everything just stops. But it's the whole of it stops. But you are very focused on, I've just stopped. Because those types of thoughts make you, without thinking, they center you into you rather than going hang on a minute let's make this like let's remember that it's not just you that stopped it's everyone and whatever industry you're in has just stopped in a way um i've probably lost track of what i where i was going with that one but it was oh on a roll but yes definitely pursuing in things and what you love you can still do them but you know, it's a very good way of like being creative, being inventive and what you can do and really investing in that time of what you love. But also remembering that if it makes you anxious in any way and it makes your brain just suddenly go, oh my God, and want to implode out of your ear holes, like just remember to like take or like factor in those days when you just do nothing and take time out for you because you can still burn out. You can still burn out in the situation that we are in as well and we all want to be mentally healthy and happy hopefully when we come out what what do you so during so when you've told people about anxiety and various what has been some of the funny situations or stories you've had and what have been some of the well some of the situations you'd be like you are a bastard <laughs> Oh, um, oh, a lot of, okay, in terms of like ED, um, which is uh, my, my shorthand for eating disorders, uh, I have to remember it's another like shorthand for when things just pop out of your body and you have to squeeze them back in. Anyway, not the point. In terms of being a bastard, it's when you have to start eating again and you have to start putting on weight and people are not used to you being this like, another size they're so used to you being underweight that when you start putting things on your body's just going to do some mad shit that you have no control over so it's just going to put like fat in places which is perfectly normal in places where it is where it's going to protect you so Ooh. mainly in your abdomen area because here's the sciencey part it puts fat in the those that abdomen area where all your organs are because it thinks that you're in a famine and it goes well if you're eating again I'm going to store this very temporary fat around your organs so I can protect you. Ah. And so, but I suggest don't do this unless you know someone. <laughs> if you like poke at it where the fat is, it hurts. And usually fat doesn't hurt. And that's because it's temporary and it's not meant to be there for a long time. So it will hurt. Oh. And you know, yeah, I did it. That's how I know. Because I was like, oh, this hurts. It's because it's not meant to be there for a long time. Um, and, but in that body, so you're doing it now going, do I hurt? <laughs> like, do I hurt? But yeah, if it, it, around that area, which you can't see in my forehead, but where you're, that abdomen area, it will hurt. But people where I was like, you are a bastard and I hate you, was when people would say things about your weight, clearly not wanting to know anything about what you oh, do. <laughs> and you're there like, 
or people would go you know it's it's it could be simple things like well we've just noticed you've put on a lot of weight and you go fuck off like there's a window please jump out of it um or even mental health teams i think were bastards because they would they would say any trigger word at you and i'd be like you can ah, I, I want to like run out of this room right now please yes please thank you i even got to a point where i cried in front of my dietitian and then being a total 1800s victorian like matron just sat there stone-faced while i wept and then i was like i'm so embarrassed for crying i feel so bad <laughs> but i shouldn't feel bad so it's those types of like conversations when weight was such a big discussion um funny things that happen oh, recovery was a brilliant shit show like jesus christ i look back on it and find it funny and other people may look at it and go oh my god because again it's it happened to me and they don't know how to react um things that were funny are things like um just like <sighs> when you are <laughs> when you're anorexic your endocrine system switches off and if you you're like what's what's that that's all your hormones like love you know reproduction all of that stuff just switches off completely because it's um it's energy that your body's like yo you're dying essentially and that's very blunt to say but you're dying i need to use that energy to keep lots of essential organs going so that area of your brain can just be switched off and it's like a tap and it just switches it off but what they don't what they don't tell you is that they go yes it's going to turn back on they do not tell you that it's going to be turned on if you turn the tap on full blast that's essentially what's going on in your body just a torrent of hormones just just going through and you're like oh my god i don't know what to do so you'll be angry one moment you'll be sad the next you'll be in love with everything that you see it's like going through what i call puberty 2.0 and it was fucking hilarious because i'd get angry and <laughs> For me, this is funny. My dad would make me be like, oh, stop clicking a pen. And I'd have a thought in my head that would be like that primal thought of being like, punch him, punch him in the nose. And I would. And I did it one time and I did it. And he went, ah. Oh! And because there's full force behind it, gave him a nosebleed. And my other thought was, oh my God, I've punched my father in the side of the nose. But also, I've got a cracking right hook. <laughs> oh my God. Another time, oh God, um, <laughs> love at the best of times is all just worse. But like hormones <laughs> make it even worse. And if you don't know how to, because what happens, it, it's not going to regulate. Your hormones are going to take a while to re-regulate. So if you thought that when you were 11 and you were like, this is, this is shit, it's like puberty is shit. Just imagine if you have to go through puberty all over again. And then it's even more shit when you're 16. It's just even more worse. Like, so... Amazing. I just remember getting tongue-tied over a particular person um, <laughs> at college and I had to and I, I wanted to get out of there pretty quickly um, and I had to go back into the classroom to get something I didn't want to and I tried to turn around really quickly so that they wouldn't notice I went back in I tripped over my own feet and fell like on my side and you know when your brain goes I cannot save you right now goodbye and I just fell and it was just the, like, the most embarrassing things I've ever done. But also when you know that someone's there in the room that you liked, you would get red, like normal people get red. But then if you're, 
if you can't regulate your own body temperature which is also what that endocrine like system at the back of your brain also regulates it meant that you would get overly hot so it would be more obvious that something was going on and something was wrong so if you were like oh my god i like someone i'm getting really red your body would be like oh you're like i can't regulate let's just give you more heat let's just like sweat this out let's just give a full-on sauna moment for you and it's like fantastic i now look like a beetroot or a red tomato in whatever i'm in anxiety is more of a difficult one um because it's something that i because i don't look it i suppose and then people go you anxious really and i'm like yeah me anxious yes it would be like terribly bad and a lot of the things where i'm like you bastard about anxiety is what my body and my brain have done to me rather than what other people have done to me mm. which is more yeah. of it because that's what they say there's one thing that i think is a good quote but i've not it's not bloody hard to put in action is like it's not what people say or do to you it's how you deal with it or like like you can control what you can't control what people say or do to you but you can always control what you, what's on the inside <laughs> you can if you don't know what's going on if it's all new sensations then you're like what the hell is going on like i've had some like particularly in london london would be the worst the tube would be the worst i couldn't get on the tube in second year because it was just so it's like no, even on times when it wasn't like it wasn't rush hour you still couldn't do it because there are certain places like certain stops that would make you really anxious because you knew you were coming up to them for no reason other than maybe maybe there was a memory associated with it when you felt particularly anxious sometimes there just wasn't and you're in a tin can you're essentially in a tin can going from like one bit to the next i remember oxford street having what i i have never had a panic attack but i've had an anxiety attack and it felt shit because it was the first time i'd ever felt it and i was like oh oh i feel like i can't cope and the bookshop in camden in waterstones was when i decided which was then when i decided the catalyst to be like i can't live like this forever was people will usually talk to you about sometimes when you have a panic or anxiety attack you will like feel a real pain perhaps in your chest area here and by god it hurts like i felt it and it hurts and it feels like your rib cage has moved and is pressing onto that bit of skin and it feels like it's pressing pretty hard and i just remember standing there like on the ground floor of like waterstones in a cat in camden town going oh ouch that actually really hurts oh boy i think i'm going to die because it feels like death and again prepared for a person who talked to people about their eating disorder these were all things that happened to me that i didn't tell anyone about i was so adamant that i wasn't going to tell anyone about this anxiety thing until i decided to go to the doctors a month after when i went back home but i didn't tell anyone about this until because in my head i didn't want to say i had anxiety until i'd got a diagnosis because i didn't want to take it for granted like i didn't want to be one of those people that was like i've got anxiety and then the doctor goes nah silly fool like you don't but thank you for coming in for 10 minutes um but 
once I'd had that sort of diagnosis being like, yep, these are all things for anxiety. And by God, I had to write everything down on my phone, my old phone, because I knew I wouldn't be able to speak to the doctor or say anything. And even getting my phone out and saying what I had, my hands have never been more shaky. And I was like, I'm so glad I wrote it down on my phone because I would not be able to talk to him exactly what was going on in my body and brain. That must have, well, I, I'd say, well, that must have been, but you're, you're here now and you've, you've gone through it. So that's the thing. But my it's God, thing, that must yeah. have been. It's a thing that will constantly be with. I know how to control it. That's a different thing. So like with last year was the year, if I flip flop between the two of them, last year was the year that I said to myself, I think this whole like disordered eating thing or eating disorder thing is like officially gone. Like we've got a good relationship with food and we can deal with it. Great. But I may always have disordered eating and it may always crop up at times when you're more stressed and things. That's a different matter. With anxiety, it's also the same thing. Sometimes you may have those moments where it's just a bit too much and you'll feel it, but it's a way of going, I know what this is now and I know how to control it and get around it in a way that is beneficial for me and not let it overtake me. It's one thing I want to add to what you've said. And I think I've listened to everything you said and it's, it's, it sounds funny now that you talk about it, as you said and i'm just saying honestly like some of the stuff you said you could definitely use as comedian as material on stage as a comedian i had a like one person show when i was in my first year of uni when all of them i was the black sheep of the flat in that flat in my first year like they were all off on some like weed smoking the hydrogen blow an alcohol fest before going out to a club and there was me just going I wonder if I could write down my memoirs <laughs> for a show about what had happened and I sort of had an idea I think at the time but times have changed I think I don't know I mean I'd be more than happy to do a like guilty feminist podcast type thing which is essentially what my gosh, my co-collaborator of Pint Size Quiz Theatre, Laura and I do. Um, but I don't know. Comedy now scares me. At one time, I would have gone, yes. But now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I when you talked about some of it, like the punching the dad thing, that's brilliant. There's so many punchlines you could do. There's so many little things you could do. And like pain sometimes it brings the funniest moments. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, looking back on it, I'm a bit like, ha, 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 ha. At the time, everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, she doesn't mean it. But I do remember just feeling nothing. I was so numb. I did it. And my brain went, yeah, we did something. But there's no emotion. <laughs> do, do people try and talk to you differently when they find out? They used to when they found out I did, particularly at places like um, somewhere in the city, I distinctly remember someone. Um, and it's usually people who don't necessarily, or haven't been open or haven't talked about mental illnesses, essentially. But 
I had it at a store, just sort of talking to someone, because usually they'll ask you at these places, like, oh, like, what channel do you do? What content do you create? And mine is always, I talk about eating disorder recovery and like anorexia and stuff. And the demeanor completely changes in terms of like, they, from them being like all normal for them to sort of go, oh, I'm so, with that look of like, I'm so sorry. And I always registered that as pity. And as I don't want to be pitied, I went through it and mm. I create content so people don't have to or if they're going through it, they don't have to be alone. But I don't want to be pitied for what I've been through. Because mm -hmm. that, that is, I understand if you want to be like, I'm so sorry, because that's a way for you to like process what I've said to you. But I, but I don't want to be pitied because I can do nothing with that emotion and you can do nothing with that emotion. Mm, that's a big thing I think could be said for, pe for people with all sorts of conditions or whatever, or like, mental, physical, whatever, or if they've been through a bad instance, you don't want someone's pity. Yeah, that's even if it's a bad event that's happened. Yeah, pity's, you're right. Pity's one. I also had one where I nearly went into a venture with someone and they, it was about YouTube and they're like, what YouTube content do you create? And I was like, oh, I create this and this. And they immediately sort of, they were doing it like a business director. I mean, they'd, they'd come straight from business wanting to go into YouTube. And it was like, so what content do you create? Or I create recovery, you know, anorexia recovery, I create eating disorder stuff. Why? And it's the cutting why. You're like, oh, usually people are just happy with me saying, you know, and this is a person I've met for the first time. Uh, I don't necessarily want to say to you, I mean, I was a little bit smarter and wiser. I wasn't 18. I was 19, I was 20, I think, at the time. And I was like, I don't really usually say on the get-go, hi, I'm Eleanor. I'm a recovered anorexic and you know, I'm also an actor, pleased to meet you. That's not in my uh, shaking hands department, but it's the cutting why, where I was like, that's, that took me, like that really surprised me. And I was like, oh, I don't feel comfortable with telling you why, because I've only met you once. Um, that happens less, that sometimes people do feel like they want, and I understand, they want to know why, but at the same time, I'm like, there's a better way of going around it rather than being direct and to the point. Ah, uh, like Jeremy Paxman. Yeah, like, I'm not here to be <laughs> Jeremy Paxman. Um, I'm, not, I'm not put on trial for my channel. I'm not being put on trial for my mental health. Um, or you, you could turn the tables and take the piss a bit, or you could tease, tease him a bit or something. Why are you on... on what? So why are you why are you so intrusive? Do you fancy me? <laughs> <laughs> I know how old the guy was as well. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, the forty year old man, or something. I've been like probably a late thirties, forty year old man. I remember his South African accent as well. I never thought about him in such a long time. God. Oh, sorry for bringing it up. I apologise for whatever. No, he did nothing. I Just as a clip. <laughs> Just as a clip didn't do anything um but i do remember sort of looking at him going do you really know what youtube is about and why most youtubers get into youtube and it's not just about money or fame or fame like they create it for the love of what they want to do and you just want to go in for it for money this isn't going to work i think that's for i think from the start though that's what a lot of people do but the ones that stick at it don't do it for that 
think after like a year or two of doing it, then you don't focus on that. Yeah, and then it depends whether you like get the burnout or if you do it for the love again. I mean, I was always very old fashioned and I just did it for the love. And I still would. I've just not had the time. <laughs> I haven't had the time to pick up a camera, but we've been in lockdown then, I don't know yet, but loads of other things in terms of work have happened that I've had to sort out and email people and do all that admin, that wonderful creative admin. So the camera is like being used for other things rather than YouTube. But I was very old fashioned and did it for a love. And I know that like my stuff was not monetizable. Gosh, I mean, Christ, I made it back in the year 2016 when you could still get ad money for what, how, for how many subscribers before all that stuff came in. Like, I remember, I still remember the good old days. And mm. um, so I looked at it um, yesterday before coming on here. I was like, how long have I been doing this? But yeah, I'm still old fashioned and do it for the love. And I just need the love to return. I think we've, um, well, I've spoken to, I spoke to, do you know, you know Fatima Al-Wahi? Al oh, yeah. I had, I interviewed her on a podcast about a couple of weeks ago. And then I interviewed, um, do you know Mary Dubuck or something? What's oh. Oh, you know her? She, this is, I'll show you a video of her. Um, this is, so she, she, she. She does a lot of um, advice-based things. And I spoke to her. She, she's a lovely woman. I didn't know what to... This woman here, I'll sh show you now. I'm going to share the screen. Um, you've probably seen her as well. What if you could get glowing skin Not overnight? this... No, wait I a second. That's the advert. The I'm like, that's the advert. Okay, so this is it. And I'll show you the screen now. But this is... This woman. Oh. Oh, wow. You deal with a loud mouth person who disagrees with everything you say. But and I'm then. That's so she, and um, what, was, what was I on about again? Yeah, they do it because one of the reasons they say they're doing so well in it is because they do it for a big intrinsic reason. That they really enjoy what they do. And I think that's definitely true. I think before of YouTube, if I'd be honest myself, the comedy stuff, I was just doing it for the sake of doing it. But with the podcast, I'm enjoying them a lot more. And so I think I'll be doing the podcast for a lot longer, more, more regularly. Yeah, no, we started, um, Pint Size Quiz has a podcast on Instagram, Pint Size Quiz Theatre is the um, theatre company, the, uh, the queer theatre company that uh, my friend Laura and I started and we, created one for Instagram. Um, we still have two episodes to edit and put up, but we did it because we enjoy chatting to each other and we enjoy talking about things and finding each other's perspective. Um, and even though it can only be 15 minutes long, so the editing process is like bare long for me as I sit here and do it for everyone. <laughs> long, bro. That's a North London thing that I apparently picked up from like two year, three years of living there. Um, but that was my North London, someone from North London on the course went, you've just been in North London too long. Cause you say bear all the time. And I'm like, oh, flip. But um, it's the podcasting that I really enjoy. And if you're a big consumer of podcasts, 
and you like podcasting and you think, yeah, then it's a really great medium. I'll tell you one thing though, she, she was lovely. The sport, sport, uh, the podcast, yeah, podcasts are amazing. It's, they're amazing. And what, what do you find the best thing about doing podcasts? I love the fact that I can just sort of unapologetically be myself and say things, not outrageous things, like not horrible, outrageous things. Let's just put that out there. Cause that is not in my nature, but I can, say I can say things and I can be funny in my own little way that people just it's it's a that don't expect and sometimes even Laura doesn't expect I floor her um but I love chatting to her finding out her experience and my experience with the topic that we've chosen and I like the fact that we can unapologetically just chat and be ourselves sometimes Laura floors me with her comedy and the things that she says I do the same thing and that's how it works chicken chicken here's some comedy is <laughs> exactly we floor each other I've, we've said some stuff and some stuff i've just not put on the podcast because it's so close to the knuckle of saying particular things about particular people that we both know and we're like we can't put that in and sometimes when we're doing the edit we'll go this isn't for the podcast but we'll talk about something really personal on this <laughs> and then we'll come out of it so who knows maybe we'll be able to get a blooper reel all sorts of because i still have all the stuff mm. um i never get rid of it but it's just a nice way of just sort of chatting to someone and be getting to know someone and learning from their experience well, yeah one thing is that when you want to sort of connect with them and they want to look at your stuff and you've got some stuff that you're not proud of. <laughs> she asked what, that Mary woman asked about some of my stuff and I want to get rid of some of it. <laughs> okay. So I look good, man. Yeah, but it, it's all good. I mean, I'm, I'm my, yeah, I'm never mind. but it's, it's all good. I'm going to focus on, um, TikTok and mostly on the podcast, really like focus on TikTok and Instagram for my comedy stuff. And then I'll do, the YouTube and Facebook most, mostly for the podcast. That'd be really good. It's got yourself sorted out now. Yeah. I don't, what's, um, yeah, it's been interesting talking about mental health. You did alleviate to me a few things that I didn't think of before, like in terms of, um, like your experience of like panic attack and all that i've not had any of that so it was good to I, I didn't think of it like that and i didn't think you know you're very conscientious and that's what some of it brings as a whole yeah. and that's but also yeah there's, there's a lot of misunderstandings and now this is general advice what would you say is how do you balance work and friendships during a time like this you're asking a workaholic who gets so focused in. I have this, I'm going to be very honest. I have this very bad thing and I know, I know it and I know it in myself that I will be so wholly focused on my work because I enjoy it, that I am very bad at reaching out and speaking to people. And I don't mean to, I just get so caught up in it. But if there's one thing particularly that I've found is that like chatting and talking and 
I mean, it's, it's been a great time for me to actually go, hang on a minute, let's actually like message people. Cause sometimes you'll get that thought of, I need to message this person and I'll do it. Um, I need to really make a conscious effort to do it because when I come out of it, I go, I feel so much better. Why, why didn't I do this before? And also it means I f like, I feel less lonely in a more selfish sense. Like I'm very good at just keeping myself to myself, but then that's no good when interacting with other people. I need to, for anyone who's like perhaps a workaholic or anything, schedule some time out to pick up the whatever messaging app you're using for your friends, WhatsApp, Messenger, um, and make a conscious effort to just ask if you can catch up with someone or ask how they are because nine times out of ten um if you're going for a really tough time they will then be the ones who want to reach out to you i had that last week went through a tough time last week um and then after having a conversation with that person i then like they messaged me like the day after or two days after our conversation asking how I was so you don't know what will happen but just pick up the phone hmm. well, do, you, do you suffer from phone anxiety because that's what I suffer from I hate talking on the phone it's every time I talk on the phone I sound completely moronic I sound like someone that's not gone past first grade in school <laughs> I cannot pick up the landline whatever the feck, I can't do it. I refuse to. If you're on my phone, I have your name. I know exactly who you are. The joys of having a mobile phone. And so I do not mind picking that up because I know who you are. But a landline, like an old fashioned landline phone, no, that can yeet itself right in the bin. I'm not touching that. I don't know who you are. And I understand why. It's because I don't know who's on the other end of the line. It's the unknown the unknown person I don't know who you are therefore I can't gauge your reaction can't gauge your emotion I can't gauge anything so who are you and also you might not understand me if I pick up the phone and just go either yellow or morning or whatever which I would do with my friends it's a perfectly valid fear we do have we have it at work do I pick it up do I feck I leave it just feels so uncomfortable. I mean, in the conversation face to face, it's fine, but I don't, it just feels so odd and just makes you feel so uncomfortable. I don't like it. I, I used to have such fear as a kid, such fear. I wouldn't pick it up. And then people would make fun, like older generation people would make fun of it, being like, oh, you used to hate it when you know you used to cry because you didn't want to be at the phone. And I'm like, yes, it's probably a very traumatic experience for the child if they genuinely have a fear of it. So it isn't helping. Um, I don't mind being teased, but that's one of the things I was like, don't tease about someone's genuine fear or phone anxiety because it's a genuine fear that everyone goes through. Don't be that person, guys. If you are, stop. <laughs> it's... Yeah, but what, what, so what I gathered from what we've said today, you, you said that the main, your main tip for dealing with mental health during the crisis is to be busy. Keep yourself as busy as you can in whatever way you, um, is good for you. 
That sounds like a sensei saying, mm, Mr. <laughs> Bob, um, if you look, you tell me you are suffering from mental health issues. Well, what you need to do, namaste, is, um, you know, keep yourself busy. In a mystical way, the best suits you. He goes like, yo, yo, blood, what, what do you mean like in my own way? <laughs> Everyone's got their own way. Because in my, my way, it's not the same as everyone else's way. For me, it's like creative. I like what I like. I know what I like. And other people will be like, I don't like what you like. I don't know. So whatever <laughs> is good for you. <laughs> so, yes. Um, okay, so that's been interesting. And what, what are your plans? Are you going to go to back to LSY? What are you going to do when this is all over? When like we finally beaten coronavirus into a kip? <laughs> I know that I do actually have um acting jobs coming my way in like september october time i know that we can uh, if anyone in the uk knows that we were given the get-go to do like theater outdoors which is all fine and dandy but most of the festivals and things have had to close or aren't doing anything because they didn't know in march what was going on but i know i've got work coming up in about september till about december most hopefully most probably um, and then next year, we are going to do what we were going to do this year and just sort of make 2021 the year of like jobs, auditions, and see what happens and see what goes on. Because that should have been this year. Yeah, make, make 2021 the year of peace, love, and sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to edit some of the video out. We'll edit that bit out. <laughs> For all the ace people. Yes. Uh, no, it, it's been a... Yeah, we, we've had some fun. It's been very lighthearted. Yeah, I think there's definitely... Do you, Would you be okay with me taking some segments from our interview today and then maybe putting it on Facebook and like saying, yeah. this is a podcast is like da, 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 and then when they click on it they see some of your, your stuff my stuff and then go from there yeah that's absolutely fine uh, and what i like to do is there's two questions i like to ask what is a quote you like to live your life by oh flipping neck carpe diem carpe diem what does that mean that sounds it's like the day in latin See today. Oh, I know that from one in the in-betweeners. Carpe <laughs> diem. And what advice, I think you covered it already, but if you saw like Ellen, like four, 15, 16 year old Ellen, like she was walking in the street and you're like, you were doing this and that and you saw her and you stopped her on the road or, or anywhere, what advice would you say? Would you say, hi Ellen, how are we doing today? This is advice I'm going to give you. Be kind to yourself. You're going through a really difficult patch right now. And you just need to be so kind and so gentle to yourself because you're not right now. You're hurting. You need to be kind and 
love yourself. Hmm. That's my advice. That's, and um, what, what do you think is the biggest miss, what do you think, what do you wish, no, I think that's it, that's it, I was going to ask that, but I think it's fine. I'd say um, thank you for coming on the podcast, Ellen. Welcome, you're so welcome. And uh, hopefully see you soon, and... (laughs) Also, yeah, that's it. Hopefully, see you soon. Uh, fingers crossed, this corona finishes soon. We all have all our fingers and toes crossed. We all want to go back to work. That's all we want. Let's go back to work. Yeah, and let's let's see what happens. And I'd say, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.